Craig, everybody. Welcome to week five of the Ice Calf Report. Tim joining me tonight again as we are back after a week off because of schedules and life getting busy this time of year. Uh, Tim, last time we talked, our Penguins were 2 no. They were coming off a nice win over Dayton. Um, but as we discussed on that episode of the Ice Cast Report, um, we were going into the toughest stretch of our schedule this year, and arguably one of the toughest stretches we've faced as a program uh, the last couple seasons, playing top 10 Kentucky, uh, and then going to the Fargo Dome and playing North Dakota State, um, and then coming back home to face perennial playoff team North Dakota. Uh, YSU dropped their first game of the 2022 campaign, a 31 nothing defeat at the University of Kentucky, in which a game, Tim, that the yeah, Avs scores 31 nothing, but midway through the second quarter at 7 nothing, and Kentucky had negative 14 yards rushing. And the who I have said all along, and I believe, and I think you agree with me, um, Will Levis uh, of Kentucky is a first-round draft pick, if not first-round. He's early second round, and uh, YSU intercepted him three times. Um, so defensively, you played well against Kentucky. You just wore down, and offensively, you had a touchdown taken away from you on a controversial call, and another uh, touchdown again later in the third quarter that was just a remarkable play by the defensive back. Uh, it's it, you got to tip your cap to that play and, uh, you know, to juggle the ball, to tap his feet in and to get uh, control of the ball. You know, that's that's 14 points right there. But the school board showed 31 nothing, so uh, not great. But I think it's improvement from the last year's bye game against Michigan State. Uh, I was feeling um, okay and still confident with where our program was going. Uh, Tim, you and I have discuss this and everybody that knows uh, the FCS knows that North Dakota State is the penultimate program. They are the Alabama, uh, nine of the last 11 national championships. And most of those games, Tim, have not been competitive. So they are clearly uh, the best dynasty we've seen in the FCS. And uh, the Penguins dropped their second consecutive game. They're uh, – Missouri Valley Conference opener 27-14 to the Bison. So as I conclude that, as YSU sits 2-2, two two, let me bring in Tim and uh, welcome him into tonight's episode. Hey, thank you, Anthony. Let me say this about the basics of the uh, the season so far, the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew they were overmatched going into Kentucky, so I wasn't yes. really concerned. I was happy with some of the effort that we've seen, and I think you, as you uh, mentioned, it was they did give a good effort. They got basically beat up because they're bigger, stronger, faster, and they just have a you know more players. You know, they just can throw <laughs> more at you than what mm-hmm. Youngstown can do now. Am I disappointed that they got shut out? Yes. Yes. Uh, am I thrilled with the way the offense is running right now? No. No. Um, do I – am I concerned going forward? I think we've seen a lot of – I think – how can I say I thought that game proved that this offense and this game uh, design is flawed and has – severe problems going forward 
that teams are going to exploit. And I thought we seen that in week two, or actually say week four, excuse me, the following mm-hmm. week against uh, after the bye against yeah. uh, North Dakota State, that they yeah. were able to to watch those films, find the ex- how to exploit the uh, the offense to really make them non-existent and making them a you know just a, basically a, a three and out type team, uh, maybe a little bit better than that, but not much. Uh, mm-hmm. And ex- really showed the weakness at quarterback, and I think. You know, I, I say this every year. You know, you're only as good as your quarterback is, mm-hmm. and Youngstown has a problem at quarterback. Uh, I wanted, you know, Crenshaw. You know, give him credit. You know, he won the job the last two years. He's, you know, went out and did it. But I still don't think this offense is designed with his skill sets in mind. I'm not saying he would be much better than what he is because I don't think he mm-hmm. reads defense very well. And I think he hangs on to the ball too long. However, those are coachable things. So I th- that's what I'm most concerned coming into uh, this week's game mm-hmm. uh, against a North Dakota you know, uh, at Youngstown. So we'll see how they handle it and how they go forward and how Coach Phillip and his coaching staff makes adjustments and learns from the last two weeks where they went on the road and they took it on the chin, to say the least. Yeah, Tim, let me say this, because uh, I have a lot to uh, get off my chest. And as you know, um, I think between the two of us, I've I've tried to have a little – and this is not intended to – uh, hint that you're negative or that you're a glass uh, half empty kind of guy. Um, I guess I've had my blinders on a little bit more, hoping, I guess, amongst better judgment. Um, but let me say this uh, week one, and every week we do this podcast, one of my keys is in somewhere or the other, Youngstown State must throw the football successfully. And whether that be yards or yards per attempt or completion or touchdowns, you know, it it varies on the opponent that week. And week one against Dayton, it was not acceptable. You're 14 of 29 throwing the ball. Or against Duquesne. Yeah. And then against Dayton, you got better. Kentucky, you were not very good at all. And I don't care if you're playing Kentucky or if you're playing Kentucky State. That's not acceptable. Um, and then again, like you said, North Dakota State really exploited our flaws and weaknesses at quarterback. And frankly, I'm done. I- I'm fed up. Uh, well, yeah, I agree with you that Demetrius Crenshaw has talent, and we all saw that last year. However, there are flaws there in his game that I'm not sure can ever be corrected by coaching. Uh, he, he does not read defense as well. You're right. Um, this year he's struggling to read the zone read option, which last year was not a problem at all. Uh, I have said since the opening podcast this year that he needs to. He does not set a speed. If you pressure him and the pocket collapses, his mechanics get away from him throws off his back foot. He doesn't step into his throws. All stuff 
that you talk about as a high school quarterback and so on. And for and I get he's a young quarterback. He's only a sophomore. Um, but he's made now, Tim, 13 starts. Your, your mechanics should not be this bad. Um, and now we find out last night that Coach Phillips said, well, he's been dealing with hamstring injuries since the beginning of camp. Well, then that gets me to what are you doing putting him out there at quarterback when he is not a pure pocket quarterback? His legs and running the ball and getting him on perimeter, something you have screamed for this offense to do for years, which I still don't do, is get their quarterback on the perimeter and let them make plays with their arms and legs. Um, but frankly, Tim, and I get – and I'm not going to pile on Crenshaw because the kid's hurt, and he's doing the best he can. This comes down to coaching negligence. Simply put, this offense is a flag football offense. It's, it's run up the middle, run outside, and if I see another third and 14 draw, I don't, oh, congratulations, you caught North Dakota State napping because they were so bored they wanted to get out of there that you got the first down. You are thankful. You should go pray the rosary every night that you have Jaleel McLaughlin. Because if you didn't, you would not have a win this year. Uh, it is criminal. You know, all offices we hear how we're going to rotate in Dre Rushton and we're going to keep him fresh. And Dre Rushton is still getting four, five carries a game. And simply put, and I think you agree with this, Tim, it's unacceptable. There's no motion. There's no creativity with this offense at all. It is boring. It is bland. And it's hand it to number eight or toss it to number eight and hope to God he makes the play because besides that, we're not doing anything besides, besides punting the ball. And it, frankly put, after three years, and I don't want to hear the COVID excuse, and I don't want to hear this, and you know people saying about the assistant coaches, the only coach – on the offensive side of the ball, with Division One AA or FCS experience, is your offensive coordinator. And frankly put, the offense you put out there against North Dakota State Saturday is the same boring vanilla garbage that you threw out there week one of the COVID season in February of 2021. Yeah. It's not acceptable. It is not acceptable. And, uh, I, I mean... Where do you go? You have a quarterback in Demiatra Crenshaw that is clearly hobbled. He can't run the ball with Zone Reed, which is a huge part of the offense. Mitch Davidson's a better pure passer, but still, he's not that much better, or he would have won the job. Um, and the time we saw him last year, he wasn't great. But then again... This We're seeing him in mop-up role, so you can't yeah, really can exactly. you cannot really evaluate him in those exactly. situations. Let me exactly. let me jump in for a second here. Yes, and please, I know what you're saying, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, mm -hmm. by the way. But just to put an exclamation point on what you just mentioned, mm -hmm. Deumatric uh, Crenshaw well, yeah. has is. 12 for 31 and 150 yards over the last two weeks. And against That's North terrible. Dakota State last mm -hmm. week, 5 of 10 for 34 yards. 
And then you go the previous week against Kentucky, 7 of 21 for 120 yards. And most of those yardage was on the reception to Jamil McLaughlin, who took it down inside the five-yard line. Yep. And that is a problem. Now, here's my biggest problem when I look at this offense. As much as we talked about you need to get your playmakers involved, and I totally agree what you're saying. McLaughlin has had 10 carries against Kentucky, Mm -hmm. and he had three receptions. He only touched the ball 13 times in that game. That's unacceptable. You have to get him the ball more. I know it's a smaller back. The first half. No, that was the that was that was. I know. Yeah, I know the whole game. Yeah. But he should have 13 touches in the first half. Oh, I, okay, yes, yes. Yeah, against yeah, yeah. North Dakota, he only t- he ran for 150 yards. If I told you before the game began that McLaughlin would have 150 yards and average over eight and a half yards per carry, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, you're feeling like, hey, they're in this ball game. They're going to have a chance to do something special. Yep. And North uh-huh. Dakota State gets out to a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter and takes away everything you're doing. And in the process, you know, he touched the ball 17 times. He carried it. He caught the uh-huh. ball three more times. So he only touched the ball 20 times in this ball game. Yep. He's your best offensive weapon. you got to find a way to get him involved in every game. 20 touches is just not enough if you want to succeed. I understand he's not a big statured guy, and you don't want to crush him. But neither is Drew Rushton. So you use let him tell you to take him out. Exactly. And here, you, you want to talk about Rushton, you know, right? What do you have? Six carries against North Dakota State. For 13 six, yards. Six carries. Okay? He had one rece- He had one target. No receptions. So that's six, six carries he got the ball. Yeah. Six. That's unacceptable. And I don't and I don't want to hear people. Oh, you're piling on him. He you only know, had they were five. To... He only had five in the uh, Kentucky game. So eleven touches the last two games. I don't care who you're playing. That he should have eleven touches in the first half of one game. Yeah. It's criminally negligent, Tim. At one point on Saturday, North Dakota State had four fullbacks on the field. They played nine running backs and fullbacks combined. I know. And I don't want to hear people say. Oh, well, you weren't supposed to beat North Dakota State. We weren't supposed to be competing against them. Uh Uh-uh. It's a conference game. Tim, this game Saturday was a prototypical Jim Trestle game where you get up big, you blow them out, you kill their will, and then you just get out healthy because you know you're going to beat them. And here's what really shot me through the roof. You're down 14-0 after an ugly start. You got manhandled up front offensively. And you got manhandled up front defensively. But finally you put a drive together, right? And you're gashing them. And you get down first and goal at the half-yard line. Yes. And, and, and Captain Genius here decides to go shotgun or pistol. No, wait. Excuse me. He motioned in the pistol. Okay. Yeah. And, he, and he decides to run the ball because North Dakota State's not going to accept expect pistol run and then so we get stopped for a two-yard loss okay even better to cap it off on that drive when he had the offense out there to go for it which i had agree with going for it fourth and goal from the three we had our third false start of the first 
have. In game four, you should not have three false starts in the whole game with every offensive lineman coming back, with your all with your all conference center. That's coaching. That's coaching. That's coaching. That's coaching. Yes, nothing it is. about nothing about Saturday was acceptable because you got run over for two hundred and thirty yards. You couldn't stop the pass when North Dakota State wanted to throw the ball three times to begin the third quarter on North Dakota State's drive to make it twenty one to three, Tim. They converted third and ten, third and sixteen, third and nine. And they also converted fourth down and one. Well, here you go. Here's the difference in quarterback play, okay? In that game, talking about the uh, the Bison game, mm-hmm. Cam Miller yep. was a very fine 13 of 18 for 145 yards. That is making plays to extend drives yep. and getting first downs. As you mentioned, they're running backs, you know. Lukey is the only guy who touched the ball in double digits. He had 13 uh-huh. carries for 72 yards, but he scored twice. And then Johnson had six carries and averaged over 10 yards a carry and with a touchdown. They well, the had thing that- their next runner in Peyton had yep. seven carries for 44 yards. So right there, you had three guys, 40-plus uh-huh. yards, averaging over six yards a carry. I mean, that is just like criminal. It's, it's sinful. That should never happen in a football game. Look, sometimes you're going to be overmatched. I can accept that. Mm-hmm. All right. But you have to plan better. You have to figure out how to stop somebody. You have to be able to extend drives on offense. You have to use your players to the best of their skill sets to be effective. And we have not seen that. In the Phillips era. It's just we haven't. Matter of fact, we see players leave the program. Yep. And this is going to be, you know, you you hear this term in Northeast Ohio over the last 30 years. Brain drain. Mm -hmm. Meaning people who went to school here even went to uh, uh, either like Youngstown or Canton Mm -hmm. or Kent um, and other places for colleges and that. They get their degrees and they leave. It's called brain drain. Yep. And now we're, we're seeing that type of thing at the football level here the last five, six years where players come into the program and leave for either better opportunities or just yep. a situation where they know they're going to be treated better. And, well, the- and that's where we're at. I mean, I hate being negative. I want to see this program succeed. It's just, but you gotta, you gotta call it what you see. And quite honest with you, when I look at this team and where they're headed and with their schedule the rest of the way out, it is going to be difficult. You know, it is. I hate saying this, but I have to wonder in a weak schedule for the conference this year if they'll win two games in the conference. Well, God, you better if you can't beat Indiana State or Western Illinois again. Which, but they didn't do it last haven't. year. Nope. So uh, we'll mean, see. Here's the thing, Tim. That I mean, just really uh, got me so upset Saturday is we got manhandled up, up front, and the only way you have 
to beat North Dakota State is you have to stop the running game. And I get Hunter Lipke, their fullback, yeah. is a Walter Payton Award finalist, which is the SES version of the Heisman. Correct. And I get that. But at some point, it's about physicality. It's about toughness. It's about manning up and stopping them. And once again, you did it. And last year when they came here, Tim, I lost count. Literally, I sat there in my seat from Section 5, and I lost count how many times North Dakota State ran the same power toss yeah. to the fullback, to the fullback, not a running back. You know and what, then though? I went back and watched the COVID game, and guess what they did again against us? Yeah, they ran power toss. And how did they score Saturday? Power toss. Doug, it's three games, three years in the span of a year and a half, and you still don't know power toss is coming? Well, it's, you know, the old saying in high school football, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it, meaning you keep running it. If they're running left and it's working all day long, if you're rolling left and throwing little tight end throws or to your backs Mm -hmm. or to your wideouts and they can't cover you, do it all day long until they prove they can do it. Um, You don't stop. Um Don Butchie was famous for that. You know, he would just, you know, once he got in a groove and he found your weakness, he attacked it all day long. And next thing you know, they had 49 points on the scoreboard and the game was over. Uh, You know, Jim Trestle did that many years ago. But you know what, Anthony, and I say this not to relish in the past, but more to say for the future we got to stop comparing everything to Jim Trestle and what happened in the past. Because all that matters today is today's game and tomorrow's future for this program. What happened, all that matters is the Doug Phillips era. From the moment he accepted his job to today and this season and his evaluation. You cannot compare him. I mean, you can to Pellini or to any of the predecessors before that. And I understand that, but the truth of the matter is all that matters is what he does with the program. Well, right now he's 8-16. Well, and that, and that speaks volumes. And I look at this schedule, and I, you know, I said all season long, Anthony, the first two games yep. were really important. The third one was a yep. nice, you're going to find out how good or bad you a are. yeah. And mm-hmm. then you're going to be challenged once you get into the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Yep. And now I'm in it, and I see North Dakota coming in on, you know, this Saturday yep. night. And I'm thinking, it's a must win. It's an absolute must win. Well, and Sammy, then you have Indiana State the following week yep. at home. You know, you mm-hmm. have two back-to-back home games. It is so important. Three of the next four games are home. Are at home. You got to win all three of them. You have to win all three of them. And if you don't, if you go one and two, oh, God forbid, if you go zero and three at home in the next four games, I don't know where this program goes. And I know you're going to play one week at a time in one game, and the only game that really matters is North Dakota this week. Yeah. And I don't want to look too far ahead, but, boy, I don't like the road. It looks really bumpy ahead. Well, Tim, you touched on it this week. Uh, you know, we still have football to play, and uh, like we talked about, we expect it to be 2-2 two and two coming into this game. 
prime time, 6 o'clock at Stanbaugh Stadium. The Fighting Hawks of North Dakota, I believe, I have to go back and look, make their first ever visit to Stanbaugh Stadium. Uh, it is a prime time kickoff. It is a celebration of the 1997 National Championship team. And I have said all year long, when you're breaking down the schedule, going back to last year, even on this year, I said you're going to be 2-2. Two and two. Your goals are still in front of you, which you'd agree with me. I said, however, you're going to find out what kind of football team you are, and you're going to find out truly how good you are against North Dakota. Yeah. Because it's how you respond to two straight losses and what we expected, two butt kickings, and now you're back at home where you're 2-0 and this year. And you mentioned you got to win every home game, no matter what year, no matter what sport. Right. So now you're two and two, you're zero and one in the conference, and you get a North Dakota team in here who last year you had a twenty-one ten lead on them up there. Right, and you let it go, and, and you lost twenty-four twenty-one. Um, so the Fighting Hawks come into them; they are three and two. They almost beat Nebraska in their opener. Um, uh, this team is built on offense. They want to throw the ball. They can run the ball against you with uh, Northern Iowa transfer Tyler Hussman. Uh, their offense runs through Tommy Schuster, uh, their quarterback, who was there last year, who had some who had some success against us. Uh, they don't play much defense. This is a typical West Coast team um, that we've seen throughout the years. That is high octane. They can score through the air. They can score on the ground, but they don't uh, play very much defense. Uh, however, the big problem, though, Tim, is their weak point covering the path and allowed 286 yards a game and 12 touchdowns through the air. YSU does not throw the ball very well. They don't want to throw the ball. So uh, this is put up or shut up time this week. You, you got to get a win. I don't care if it's 2 nothing or if it's 52-51. You got you to get a win somehow. It, somehow, yeah, you somehow, you got to put win. it in the W column. You are 100% yeah, you correct. It's yeah. a, you know, it is I, – I don't do this very often, as you know, but it is a must-win type game for the Penguins. Oh, 100%. 100%. And uh, this is going to be – you know, this is going to determine how you play the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it's going to be very – di- I mean, look, they got a lot of coaching decisions to make. They have a situation, a quarterback they don't know what to do with. Uh, I think Crenshaw got to be your starter, but you better freaking design an offense around his skill set and give him some confidence early in a ball game that he can build on. And if you have McLaughlin, you got to give him the ball. Just give the man the ball. Find ways. Let him tell you when he's tired. Find ways to get him in spaces with the ball and mm-hmm. find compliments. To do the exact same thing. I don't care if it's your tight end or your wide receiver or Drew Rustin coming out of the backfield or in the slot. Whatever the case may be, be creative. And creative does not necessarily mean, oh, we're going to run a reverse here or Mm -hmm. we're going to run a flea flicker. Mm -hmm. That's not being creative. I'm not saying they don't work and they're fun to play. And, yes, there are times in every football game that it makes sense to run something like that. However. Being creative means understanding down and distance situation yep. and finding ways to get your playmakers the ball. 
That's what creative is. Creative does not mean designing a double reverse exactly. or an end around or a jet sweep or whatever like that. And all those are fine plays, and I'm not telling him not to run them. I'm saying creative to me means finding ways to get your playmakers in situations uh-huh. where they can succeed. That is what being you're, creative. What you just said, Tim, was spot on. You want to get creative. You want to get Crenshaw and Oliver and Fordham and Gillison and McLaughlin and, oh yeah, by the way, Dre Rushton. You want to get them the ball in space. Let them create in different ways. You know, use Fordham and Oliver in the wide receiver screens or use them on Get the ball out of Crenshaw's hands quickly. misdirection. You want creativity. There's a difference to me between being creative or being gimmicky. You can't be gimmicky and win consistently. No. What you need to do is have a RPO-style offense where, in my opinion, Crenshaw gets rid of the ball quickly with under three Mm -hmm. seconds. You know, he has his read, and if it's not there, he's running the ball. Or he's then, you know, finding his secondary, whatever outlet that may be, and delivering it that area. Um, It's, you know, again, we can talk about, how this offense is run and how what type of playmakers they have or do not have. This team is who they are, and but offensively without an identity. And that is a scary thing when you're into week five yep. in the season. Exactly. And unfortunately, in the Phillips era, we have never seen the offense have an identity yet. He no. talks about it. He talks a great game about it. But he don't mm-hmm. deliver an identity each and every Saturday. So that's what we're up against. This is where they're at. The season is not necessarily on the line, but it's on the line. Uh, no, your is- season and your goals, Tim, because let's put it the way it is. Your yeah. goal this year without South Dakota State and Northern Iowa, two teams that you've never played well against, was to make the playoffs. Well, here's and the thing. even after two and two, your goals were still there. So this game right here will dictate your season. If you're 3-2, and two, you come Indiana State comes down next week, a team you should handle every year. You know, That's the scary and, part. Do you lose yeah, confidence? Exactly. Here's exactly. the thing. If you end up with, let's just say, a game similar to last week where you lose by two touchdowns, going into the Indiana State game, Does that team has any confidence going into that game at home? That's the question. And I hate to say that. Look, you know, trying to procrastinate what's going to happen because I don't know. Uh, However, the most important game of the season is the week that you're playing. And that is against the Fighting Hawks. And they have Mm -hmm. to come through this week. The Penguins got to outfly the Hawks. They have to find a way on the field in Youngstown to defend it and win. And that's all there is to it. This is the must-win game of the year. Yeah. Because we knew the two weeks prior were going to be difficult. What I was most disappointed in is not necessarily the loss, but how they lost to North Dakota State. That I was, agree. 
that was, you know, I told you in Kentucky, I expected it to blow out, and it wasn't as bad as I thought, but needless to say, it was a dominating performance by Kentucky, and I expected that. Then you get to North Dakota State, and you just get dominated again. That was the most disappointing part of that game, is just a team that just never really, truly got off the bus. And uh, now here's the scenario. You're at home. You know what you've been up against. Now your season's on the line in the conference, and this is what matters most. These games, these games against North Dakota State, against North Dakota, against Indiana State, against Western Illinois, against South Dakota, against Illinois State, against Missouri State, and finally finishing up against Southern Illinois. This is where your season's made in the conference. Everything that happens prior to conference games, to me, are gravy. You want to be... Four and zero, and not 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 or three and zero, and but that's probably unrealistic. But two and one coming into last week was where they at. Now two and two right now. This game here really, I hate to say this. This breaks my heart saying this, but if they lay an egg like they did last week, the rest of the season they're playing before family and friends. They lose well, the. It, they lose their audience. They lose their fans. Well, Tim, you touched on it. This is. Uh, I mean, this is one of the bigger games we've had in a recent while here. Um, YSU entertains North Dakota Saturday at six o'clock. Uh, the only primetime home game of the year, and it's a big one. I mean, it is huge. We cannot understand it enough that. This will dictate which way your season goes. Yes. Uh, are you going to compete and you know play meaningful November games, or are you going to play the young guys and play in front of family and friends starting next week against Indiana State? Tim, uh, your keys to the game this week against North Dakota? Get McLaughlin involved. Get him the ball over 20 times. Have the defense Defensive line and front seven create pressure and keep them off balance. Well, I, Tim, I usually and I usually have two to three keys, and I think it's pretty simple. Um, I agree with you. I'll piggyback off you. Get eight the ball and do whatever it takes to win. Whatever it takes to win the game, you you do because this is your this is your apex of the season right here. You can keep going forward. You can fall right back down. Um, Sam, are you going to give a prediction? I hate pick predicting against the Penguins, so I am going to go with the W as negative as I sound, and that's going to be a squeaker, twenty to sixteen. Tim says twenty to sixteen. A season ago, YSU held a twenty-one ten fourth quarter lead at North Dakota and let it slip away late for a 24-21 defeat. Um, I thought all all offseason going into this year that we were going to win the football game. Um, and defensively, I'm still not um, deterred. I think our defense has played well enough to win games. Uh, but we're going to have to score points to beat North Dakota. It's not going to be a game where you win 
low scoring as much as Phillips wants to win games. So I might be having my red and white goggles on, Tim, but I'm going to go 28-24 YSU in an old-fashioned uh, thriller at standby that brings back memories of the 90s. On the night, we're going to honor the 97 team. Um, so I'll go YSU 28, North Dakota 24. Tim's going YSU 20-16. Uh, hoping and praying that we get our Penguins to three and two, I will be there. Tim will be following along, watching the game, listening to it, breaking it down. Tim and I will be back next week to recap everything inside Stanbaugh Stadium and get ready to welcome the Sycamores of Indiana State to town. So for Tim, I'm Anthony. As always, whether it be bleak or it be uh, triumphant, go Gwens. <laughs>